Hi, I'm Dr. Pam Peek, and welcome to episode 378 of Her, the podcast where you're going to hear the naked truth about her mind, her body, her life, and today, well, her struggles and triumphs in getting her point across in a male-dominated industry. Yep, you're going to love to hear this one for sure. So listen on up. Before we begin, just know that this episode is made possible by our friends at Solaray Vitamins. That's Solaray, S-O-L-A-R-A-Y. Now, why is this so important? Because they make once-a-day women's multivites. This is so terribly important that we as women have customized, individualized multivitamins just for us to be able to deal with hair, skin, nails, digestion. It's formulated to meet the unique needs of women. And it's really important to note we're different than men. Keep that in mind. And it also includes some lutein for healthy eye support and an enzyme blend for gentle digestion. So run on over to Solaray, S-O-L-A-R-A-Y.com to learn more. And please remember, we need things for us as women. Okay, now... Here's your first reminder to click onto iTunes after this episode to rate and review the show. We love hearing from you. We review your feedback and boy, oh boy, we really love to hear your own words. Okay, so you'll get another reminder later on. All right, it's time for Her. Her, the podcast. The naked truth about women. Her mind. Her body. Her life. It's all about her. Raise your hand out there in the Her Podcast land if you've ever thought about really becoming an entrepreneur, to have your own startup, and to face all of the challenges and struggles that go on out there when you try to do something like this. Why is it important? Because women need to be running many of these kinds of companies that really speak to what we're all about. And, you know, it's important to have the bravery and courage to be able to put your best foot forward and do something like that. So we have just that kind of woman as our guest today. Her name is Kieran Roost, and she hails from both Switzerland as well as the United Kingdom. And she is the co-founder of Vital Sign Solutions. Kieran has a first-class baccalaureate in natural sciences from Cambridge University and a PhD from Imperial College London. And she has 15 plus years of experience at world leading life science and med tech organizations across clinical and scientific research, business development and consulting. She really loves health innovation and believes in the empowerment of patients to take control of their own health. Kieran, welcome to the Her Podcast. Thank you for having me. Now, you you noticed uh, somewhere along the line my previous podcasts, and you were getting some inspiration. What inspiration were you getting from my previous podcasts? 
Uh, there were many strong women um, presenting all kinds of um, really interesting concepts in wellness, which kind of resonated a lot with what I'm doing. Um, and it's always good to hear women's point of view on women's subjects. Okay, fantastic. And you are a female entrepreneur, and you say a, a, a male-dominated industry. Tell us what that means. Yeah, so my background's in pharma, large pharmaceutical companies. And there are a lot of men, especially in management in those companies. Um, and I had an idea for a business um, about five years ago now, and it's in a, an industry called medtech, which is basically medical technology. And that seems to be even more male-dominated than large pharma. So I was kind of one of a, a, a few women trying to do something in that area. Um, but we've, we've built a good team around us now, and we've got kind of over 50% of the company are female. And I'm a strong believer that actually having a mix of male and female views is kind of what make, part of what makes our company so successful. Have you always had an entrepreneurial spirit? Um, has this been something that's kind of on your mind and, you know, you really want to actualize this so because you know this scares the heck out of a lot of people they'd rather just do a nine to five with a company where they feel like they're kind of safe and secure and not that anyone is um but for someone like yourself where did that come from this entrepreneurial spirit uh, yeah so i think it's something i've always had like I was, I was thinking about this the other day and i was remembering back so i must have been about like 10 and we lived um in the states at the time actually and we backed onto a big golf course and i remember running around like the fields behind our house picking up the golf balls that golfers had hit over the fence and then making a little stand and selling the golf balls back to them so i think there's some, been always been something like entrepreneurial about me um but as you as you allude to i was also quite risk adverse for like the first 10 plus years in my career in that I was in a really nice stable job in a good large company learning a lot um, and it took it took a lot really to jump ship and think I've got a great idea it's innovative there's is a lot of people that would like to buy it and actually I could learn a whole lot more if I do sort of jump ship and try my hand at a whole number of activities that I've not done before but I agree with you. It was like it was it was scary, and I had to have a lot of support along the way, both to kind of do it and also then to make sure I was successful at the different things I was doing. Did you kind of face, as it were, since it's an industry dominated uh, primarily by men? Um, you know, how shall I say, um, a bit of sexist slights or something along those lines? I don't think so. Like I've always been really supported by the men I've come across but I think what I was aware of is that I had to appear overtly confident and almost have this like male level of confidence whereas a lot of women are naturally a bit more risk adverse and naturally see the problems in in a particular kind of situation so you sort of have to park that and focus on all the positives and reinforce the positives in order to get your story across i see okay and because when you say male dominated it kind of like conjures you know thoughts that you're not allowed in the boardroom and all the rest of it but you're you're you also used to tact which i think is really important and that is working from within the system and not just throwing rocks at windows um but really saying you know how do i 
you know, slowly but surely educate people um, about the fact that I can really do this. And also at the same time, what can you learn from people who um, are already in positions of authority and back and forth? Now, I'm going to, you know, kind of nuance this a little bit. You said you have three very young children who have grown up with your business. Um, and uh, so you wanted to share some thoughts about this whole issue of work and, and how you look at, uh, as it were, balancing life in the startup environment. How'd you do it? And how are you doing it? Yeah, so I, perhaps rather counterintuitively, I had um, had the idea for my business um, when I was on maternity leave with my first child. So having that time away from my like normal day job gave me like the ability to creatively think around it, to patent the idea, to start talking to a technical founder, to do some prototyping. Um, so yeah, that was five years ago now. Um, but I guess my business is like my first baby, really. Um, I quickly realized that it, the the idea was a great idea, but I needed to surround myself by people that could support me and help take that to the market. So actually, I've, I found a technical co-founder, um, Vlad Gubala, early on. Um, and then I also <laughs> um, recruited my husband to help me um, as, a, as a second co-founder, which I think was a great decision because um, not only is he amazing at what he's amazing at and he he does kind of all of our commercial fundraising sales strategy and also he's got a tech background um but also so that complements me but also us being in the same family it means meant means we can pick up the slack when it comes to kind of childcare and making sure that someone's always available for the kids so the other person is available to travel and to do meetings etc so it works well Okay, well, you know, now we get to a, you know, that little hairy thing. So far, it works well. <laughs> What's it like, yeah. you know, trying to, I mean, seriously, I have interviewed, you know, women in my uh, podcast where, you know, I, I would say some it worked really well because they just kind of get along. And with others, you know, after a while, it was uh, a real challenge to develop uh, the limits and boundaries required to be able to do work and then home so that, you know, the work didn't kind of, you know, uh, stealthfully creep into um, home hours. How do you do that? Yeah, so it definitely does creep into home hours. Um, we just try and have some time off occasionally. And like if we go for dinner, we'll say, right, when we're not talking work, you know, line in the sand. Let's talk about something else. It gets difficult if you say we're not talking about work or children. Then there's, you know, lim limited conversations to actually have um, at the moment anyway. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of our life at the moment. And, um, yeah, it, it works for us. Well, okay. So, you know what I say to you? Yeah. Rock with it. <laughs> because, you know, I, I, you know, I think that it also speaks to the strength of a relationship um, when you're able to, to carry this out because, you know, I've spent many years um, within uh, entrepreneurship and uh, really get it. I am an entrepreneur. And I can tell you that it is exhilarating to be able to create something, to give birth to it, and to watch it grow. With that being said, 
it's also so terribly important to remember, just like, you know, when you watch a child grow, there are plenty of challenges, you know, and uh, it's, it's, it's like you have to readjust expectations on a daily basis. You have to say, you know, there may be uh, a real surprise here today, good, bad, or otherwise, that's okay. That's part of being an entrepreneur because the buck stops here. And, and you have to be able to have grit and resilience. Tell me about your sense of resilience. Um, well, people always describe me as like an incredibly stubborn person. So I think they maybe go hand in hand. I, I don't take no for an answer. So um, within within our company, we're developing um, uh, basically a lipid test. We're going to bring blood tests into into the home. Um, so it's an it's 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 a novel idea, um, but it's challenging. Um, I believed five years ago that it would be a relatively simple process to get the chemistry working um, within a chip. So, so our device is essentially, you know, like the COVID lateral flow tests. It's similar to that, and it's a lateral flow test, but instead of looking for COVID, it looks for your blood lipid levels. So it'll look for total cholesterol, HDL, LDL, um, triglycerides, and give a color reaction. And then the cool bit is your smartphone is used as a diagnostic reader. So I naively thought, oh, this, you know, we'll have, we'll have this working within a year. Um, and a, the prototype, yes, we did, but getting from prototype to a, a product that is so reproducible and so reliable that it's always exactly the same every time you manufacture it um, has, has been highly challenging. And we've had to, you know, build a whole manufacturing lab, bring in the right people, bring in the right qualified people. Um, and there have been hurdles in every step of that. Um, which we've had to sort of face head on and we're, and we're still facing it. It's, uh, one of my greatest learnings is that it's, it's hard work to build a company every stage along the way. So, um, yeah, you just have to continually be resilient. I would agree with that. Excellent. And then one of the things I'm kind of now reverting back to you and your, your actual products in the pipeline in traditional women's health you said you're interested in hormone imbalances and whether fluctuations outside of what is normal for us causes symptoms most of us have and dismiss as being part and parcel of being a woman. And that is that, oh, that delightful bloat. What? Bloat? Me? Um, PMS, mood swings. And so you, you're developing an idea for a home test to measure a number of these hormone biomarkers. You know, there are other companies out there doing this now as well. There's a lot of home testing going on. How do you position yourself when you know competition starting to heat up? Yeah, so the home tests that I'm aware of are, are normally kind of one-off tests. So you can send your blood off to a number of companies now and they will tell you what your, what your hormone levels are. And you can pay for a private test to do that. But what I'm intrigued by is none of these companies are looking temporarily, like, temporarily over time at people's hormone levels. So they'll do a one-off and it would be at some random time in your cycle. And if you've got like a vastly abnormal result, fine, they can do a diagnosis from that. But I have a theory that your levels of normal are normal for you. So you're not going to identify fluctuations from your normal if you do a one-off test 
or even if you do a two-off test or even a three-off test, you really get to need to get to know what's normal for you. And the only way you can do that is by constant testing um, over a period of a couple of months. And the only way you can do that is by having a solution that's in your home that's really convenient and easy and doesn't involve, doesn't involve milking your finger for like large amounts of blood that you then send off to a lab. So that's, that's sort of the vision. Excellent. Okay, and it's just nice knowing that, um, you know, there's a lot of momentum within this field trying to really capture the essence of what happens to a woman. You know, for a little FYI, when I was at the National Institutes of Health in my laboratory, um, in the laboratory next to me, they were uh, looking at um, hormonal fluctuations over the course of a day in a woman who is perimenopausal. So now we take ourselves into a different place, which is a woman between the ages of 40 and, well, whenever she gets into menopause. And so that could be 40 to 52, 45 to 52. It just depends upon her symptoms. We actually put a catheter um, in a woman's vein and she would stay there 24 hours and the nurses would come in uh, these are the nurse researchers who are working with us and they would draw blood um, almost every 15 to 30 minutes just a little bit we don't need much we just pull it out of the catheter and uh, this is the first time anyone ever really done anything like this. And what we actually found over the course of 24 hours is a wild time had by one and all. Um, and that is, there were times when the, um, when the estrogen levels and progesterone testosterone levels um, were way high, then they were way low. And, and most of the time it was estrogen and progesterone that were really changing. And what you saw was an overall trending down because that's what you're doing, you're weaning off. But there's huge fluctuations throughout the day. So one of the things that has always uh, challenged people who are researchers in this field is to capture that trending. And it's hard to do, to your point, if you just draw one blood level at that time. You don't know where you are in that, in that slope of the curve um, as it's kind of chaotically going all over the place. And so I think that that will continue to be a, a quite a challenge uh, for, for a while, certainly for perimenopause. For a young woman, you know, who is still, you know, for a woman under the age of 40, say, for instance, or even 45, who is still menstruating on a very regular basis, it's a lot easier um, to be able to capture that because then you can actually look at that whole you know, change um, in hormonal um, level uh, premenstrually um, and otherwise. And I'm leaving out pregnancy because that's just a crazy time. Um, <laughs> it just, it is what it is. Um, so does that make sense to you, Kieran? Yeah, it does. It makes perfect sense. I think, and the fact that you were researching this in a research institute, it just goes to show that so little is known. Um, and sadly, there's just not a lot of people that are looking into particularly kind of perimenopause or menopausal changes. Um, the, the, most of the emphasis within the industry I'm in is in um, ovulation, fertility, getting pregnant, not getting pregnant. And I wonder that's, if that's because um, 
sadly, a lot of the women that are setting up this company are in those age groups. So that's of paramount importance to them. Um, and there are less representatives in the kind of 50 plus innovator categories that are starting to look into startups in the menopause system um, area, for instance. All right. Excellent. And what other ideas have you got to be able to kind of look a little bit deeper within women's health? So our, I think it's important to say our, our pipeline is, it's, it's men and women, but things like lipids, people typically think are a man's disease. Heart attacks are a man, is a men's disease. The adverts you see on TV of a man, a man clutching their chest. It's always men, isn't it, that's representative in heart disease, but actually twice as many um, heart attacks are in women under the age of 50. So I think lip, cardiovascular health is a big is a big area. So that's why we're trying to, with our lipid test, help people understand their risks of cardiovascular health and then help people make informed choices, lifestyle changes um, to get healthier effectively. Um, And then also in our pipeline, we're looking at diabetes. Again, trying to look at people's risk of diabetes through HbA1c to help people make positive lifestyle changes there to also get healthier. We're also looking, as we already talked about, about traditional women's health hormones um, and then we're also looking at vitamins so there are there's vast numbers of people that are um, deficient in things like vitamin d b um, so we're wondering whether we could identify that and i think if you know that you're deficient in vitamins you're much more likely to take your daily vitamin tablet okay and um i think that you know <sighs> One of the things that happens with women, and I'm curious about your thoughts on how to how to deal with this um, challenge, is uh, they fall off their own self-care radar screen, okay? So in other words, um, we could give them all the information in the world, but they instead defer to other people's self-care. So it's going to be their children. It's going to be their partner. It's going to be, you know, a family member, um, a coworker or something, you know, how do we keep women, you know, uh, on their own radar screen so that they can literally take advantage of all the great information you're churning out? Mm. I think we have to make it as simple as possible um, and as easy as possible. So they, so literally we don't have to make any appointments, go and see any primary care physicians, because I think that's what puts people off. It's the amount of time it takes. Like, I don't have time, my own healthcare, to go and make an appointment at a doctor, to get a blood draw, to go back for results another time. I would deprioritize that. I mean, I find it hard enough to take my kids for their injections on time. But if I had a simple test sent to me at home, which was just a finger prick, very small amount of blood and I got the results there and then and those results got filed in my electronic um, like health system within my own area of my phone I think I'd be much more likely to do it wonderful wonderful now you're also in the UK Um, I gotta tell you something the UK is so far ahead of everyone else when it comes to really understanding what's going on with women's healthcare, as well as especially perimenopause, menopause. Um, There just seems to be more of an open consciousness and awareness and acknowledgement of all of this. Why is that so? I'm fascinated with that. 
I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's the first time I've heard it, I guess, because I'm within that um, ecosystem. It could be the amount of data that's available. There's a really good, strong, like, academic research um, ecosystem. There's a lot of sharing between um, both large pharma and smaller biotechs, as well as the startup environment. It's quite an open place to do research and share results. Huh. And, and well, I was just blown away the other day when I saw uh, that the UK is now um, appointed a women's health ambassador. And this is a um, Professor Reagan, um, who uh, is at the Imperial College uh, London Institute of Reproductive and Developmental Biology. Uh, that's, um, she's actually Professor Dame Leslie Reagan. Um, and I'm, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute now, a women's health ambassador? I'm, I'm just so jealous. Why don't we have one? <laughs> um, and so I've actually reached out to her to um, have her on the podcast as well, um, just to hear a lot more about her own vision for this. Um, but gosh, um, I'm learning a lot. Uh, basically from the UK-based groups, the websites, the communities there in women's health. So, you know, bravo to you folk um, across the pond um, who are really raising awareness and doing this in, a, um, in such a meaningful way. I mean, A-plus all the way around. <laughs> Thank you. No, seriously. Um, and uh, this is just a brand new position, so I have no idea where Professor Reagan is going to be taking this, but it will be interesting to be a piece of this. So um, as you look back now um, on the development, how, how many years has it been? Six years or so? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, about, yeah. About, yeah. about six years. Um, share a couple um, life lessons um, that you've learned, that you've gleaned from the school of hard knocks as you've been uh, traversing entrepreneurship and uh, the startup world? Okay, so I think the first one would be don't take no for an answer. Um, when you do things like fundraising, you have to go out and tell your story to a whole number of different people. And you might get nine people that say no before you find one person that says yes. Um, and the story you tell may well evolve. It may be different depending on who you're talking to. Um, but ultimately, if you believe in your idea, then other people, the right people will see that and believe in the idea too. And it's not just the idea, it's the team, which I think would bring me on to the second one, which makes sure you surround yourself by the right people as early as you can. So we, we, were, we were lucky in that we found our lab in Cambridge quite early on. And I'm so glad we, we picked, because we were looking at a few different places around the country. And we ended up picking Cambridge because it had this new innovation park. So our building is full of other sort of startups. And the talent in and around Cambridge has just been great. So we've got some really good people in and that can like make or break the amount of time it takes you to get to the market because, okay, it might cost more money short term to get the right people in, but it's better than spending six months doing the wrong experiments and then having to redo them. I love it. And, you know, that whole issue of not taking um, no for an answer uh, is so unbelievably 
you know, a, a foundational piece of any entrepreneur. You have to have a strong backbone. You have to be able to understand that, as it were, not everyone's going to love you. And I think that um, an issue that a lot of people have, both male and female, I'm not sure how that that those percentages go here, but they, they take it personally. They don't like me. I'm an idiot. Um, I have a stupid concept. Instead of simply saying, it just doesn't fit their wheelhouse. They're not interested for completely objective reasons that have nothing to do with, you know, anything about you. So I think that uh, one of the simple derivations from that life lesson that you just uh, explained is don't take anything personally. It's not personal. It's professional. It's business. It's, it's basically at the heart of business. And you have to have resilience and simply say, okay, well, I was given a no there. I'm pushing on to the next guys. And you might also stop, hit the pause button and say, well, what did I actually learn from that? As it were, no experience. Um, you know, uh, should I maybe sharpen my, you know, skills at presentation? Should I nuance my pitch deck a little differently? Um, many times, you know, what's really important is to, you know, get feedback from the no person, you know, and that's really important. I know that, uh, you know, in my own world, uh, where I'm also working in um, technology, as you know, uh, I really feel it's important to just glean every single lesson you can find and do it by parking your ego at the door. The, again, it's nothing about you personally. It's like you learning what other people have to say. Some of the feedback is garbage. Some of the feedback is superb. Use it, you know, learn, just continuously learn, be a, be a student here, right? I agree completely. If you've got a startup, we're all students because we're doing absolutely everything, having never done it before. So talk to the right people, learn the right lessons, and don't worry about the fact that you haven't got 10 plus years experience in this one particular activity. Just believe in yourself and surround yourself by the right people. And you can, most of the time you can pick these sort of things up. I love it. And do you have a mentor? Or two or three? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've had different. I've had different mentors in uh, different parts of my career. Like some of them have been um, people I've worked with, um, and then some of them have been like more kind of formal coaches. Um, but I, I, I think there's so many people that I learn a lot of different things off. Um, that I think the idea of mentors is there's the official mentors, but then there's also a lot of unofficial lessons that I learn from people. Oh, fantastic. And interestingly enough, if all the mentors are men, that's fine. Because guess what? Who cares? Um, if someone's going to help you, <laughs> seriously, if someone's going to help you, um, let them. And um, I'm, I'm just really um, impressing upon uh, women entrepreneurs out there. Be open-minded, open-hearted because help comes from the darndest places and you may be surprised at who will reach out and and help guide you and assist you and support you so again um a nice strong backbone resilience um egoless just it's never 
about you personally. It's only professional. This is business. And, and just chant those things to yourself until they really become a piece of you because you're a beautiful example of that. Well, I mean, I just love this, and I hope this is really inspired and perhaps even motivated um, some women out there to say, okay, you know, I'm kind of feeling it. I really feel as though I have a superb idea, but remember, an idea without a business plan is a fantasy, all right? And I, <laughs> okay, an idea with a business plan um, is something that can be actualized and implemented. So one of the most important things to do is get it up with um, people who can help you develop an appropriate business plan going forward um, and, and take those next steps in, in really making your dreams become a business reality and then sit back and just say, look at here, I created this and really feel the glow of the sun on you at that moment, hey? All right, Kieran, I cannot thank you enough for being um, on the Herb Podcast. Everyone, we've been talking to Kieran Roost, and that's R-O-E-S-T. And she is the co-founder of Vital Sign Solutions. And she's been talking to us about entrepreneurship, not to be afraid, to be brave and courageous and go forth. If that's really what you want to do, make your ideas become a reality in business. And it, and really some of the secrets to success of doing that while you're also raising a family. And in this case, your partner is, you know, um, your husband. So, you know, go figure that one. You've got multiple layers. All right. Now, everyone out there, please take a minute to hit iTunes, rate and review the show because I want to hear from you. I am Dr. Pam Peek, host of the Her Podcast. Follow me on Facebook at Dr. Pam Peek or Twitter and Instagram at Pam Peek MD. And remember to catch every episode of the Her Podcast on iTunes, Radio MD, and all of the major platforms. Hey, thanks for listening today and stay safe and stay well.